Hey guys, you're listening to the Huh Podcast with Dino and Michelle. I am Pastor Matt, the father from the Father and Son Watch Horror Movies Podcast. I listen to this podcast every week, and you should too. This is Dino and Michelle, and we have a very special guest. This is the co-host of one of my all-time favorite must-listen-to podcasts, the Father and Son Watch Horror Movies podcast. We have the Father, Pastor Matt. How you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Great to talk to you. Yeah, and Pastor Matt, um, for those who aren't aware of your show. They should be, but if they aren't, can you just run real quick about your show? It's basically my son and I. Uh, my uh, I used to call him my mini me, but he's not so mini anymore. I'm five <laughs> nine, and he's over six feet tall. So, um, but he's an aspiring filmmaker, and um, and he loves horror movies, and so. He uh, wanted to start a podcast and wanted to know if I would join him, and I said, sure. And so we started a podcast uh, just talking about horror movies. Originally, we were going to do it monthly, but then it just got to be so much fun, we started doing it pretty much weekly. And so every week, we he, either he or I or a guest picks a different movie, and we spend about an hour just talking about a horror movie, and uh, we just have a blast with it. Yeah, and I, I stumbled upon your podcast um, – because I'm not even sure how the rabbit trail came about, but you know, yeah. I'm I'm a uh, a believer in Christ. I'm a Christian, mm-hmm. as is Michelle. And the my current my former podcast was being hosted by a guy who had a theology, not a theo, but a Christian based horror podcast. Mm. And I said, Well, okay, that that sounds like type of thing for me so listening to him for some reason i guess in the same vein you know if you like this you might like this and your podcast came up and i think you were only about two or three episodes into it yeah so i had went back and i had listened to those three episodes and i've listened to I think, what do you have, 38 now, the current one? Yeah, yeah, we just dropped our 38th episode um, today, and so we're kind of, we we usually record on Sundays, Um, we try to have them out Monday or Tuesday, but my wife edits them, and and, um, she's got a full-time ministry plus a (laughs) full-time job, so we're kind of at her mercy of when she gets around to editing the podcast, but yeah, we're 38 in, we've launched, launched a Patreon page, and Jackson just recorded the first thing uh, for the Patreons, which he recorded a, a solo commentary on, and I'm putting air quotes around this, classic uh, Demon Wind. So. <laughs> yeah. 
I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's great. But yeah, I've listened to every episode except for two, I'll be honest. <laughs> Doctor Sleep and Parasite. And the only reason why I haven't is because I haven't seen the film yet. Yeah, um, yeah. I do have them downloaded, though. So they're in my queue. As soon as I get around to watching them, I'll be listening to your podcast. There you go. Yeah, we tell people, because we are a spoiler podcast. I mean, we spoil the heck out of, of the stuff we discuss. So, yeah, people need to be kind of forewarned. I know that uh, I got a voicemail uh, a week or so ago um, from Gilman Joel over at HMP and, and mm-hmm. Retro Movie Geek, and, and he told me, he said, he said uh, he was bummed out because he was getting ready to get on a plane, and he said, you know, I was, was going to listen to your podcast. I saw, wait a minute, I haven't seen that movie. Yeah. So he said, I'm going to have to wait to listen to that one until I actually see the movie. Yeah, I mean, that's a good thing, though. At least you give a forewarning. It's not like yeah. you just start talking about it and then, oops, spoiler alert. You know you're going yeah. into a spoiler. And, you know, we... I will say, Dino listens to a whole lot more podcasts than I do. Well, yeah, <laughs> Just, I have know, the opportunity. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you know, because he drives and everything for work uh, all across the state, so he gets the opportunity to do that. I don't so much as home have the opportunity to do that at home. Um, but he does give me a lot of the uh, rundowns and the, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, it gives me the summary. Gives me the summaries of the. <laughs> Well, I got, I, you guys, I used to listen to a lot of podcasts when I traveled, too. I mean, that was kind of my go-to thing. If I was in a rental car or whatever, I was listening to a podcast. These days, you know, I don't do that so much now that I'm in full-time ministry and working on doctoral programs. I, But I kind of have to kind of choose what I do. So it's when I work out or when I'm driving, I'm listening to a podcast. So it's horror movie podcast, retro movie geek, and you guys. So those are the three that I always tune into. So I appreciate that. Very much we appreciate that. Now, okay, um, and you just brought it up, and I called you Pastor Matt a couple of times in here, but yes, you are a pastor, a pastor of a church. Um, I'll ask you the question that I get asked a lot, but I'll ask you it. More importantly, because you are a pastor, mm-hmm. how do you how do you justify justify? You seem to forget mm-hmm. that word each time well, you ask this question. Justify <laughs> sounds like I'm, you know, putting a judgment on there, like defend your position type of thing. Right. Which I guess you, you are. are putting a defense for your position, but. How do you you reconcile? That's the word I like. Yeah. How do you reconcile being a horror fan? Because you're not a casual horror fan. No. You are a deep, you know, in the marrow horror fan. Oh, yeah. And being a pastor of a church, of a Christian church. Yeah. I... You know, I came into horror movies as a kid. I'm, I'm also a pastor's kid, but I did not become a Christian until I was 25. Okay. Um, I was an atheist, outspoken atheist for more than 10 years. When I say I was an atheist, it wasn't just that I was a little heathen as a teenager running around. I mean, I was like uh, an evangelist for it. I read Freud's The Future of an Illusion. I read Bertrand Russell's Why I'm Not a Christian when I was a teenager, and I would run around and spout this stuff off. I ran away from home, and I was... 15, made my way out to Hollywood when I was 16, and wanted to be a filmmaker. I ended up directing one music video, and I 
was so disgusted by the entire process, I decided to leave Hollywood and went back to Ohio, got involved in politics, which was easy because politics is just Hollywood for ugly people. <laughs> and so um, but that whole time until I became a Christian when I was 25, um, I loved horror movies. Uh, when I even when I was in Hollywood, people would ask me, "Oh, you want to be a director? Well, you know, who's on your Mount Rushmore? Who are your favorite directors?" And I would say, "Well, Hitchcock and you know, and David Lean and, and Francis Capra and John Ford." Then I'd say John Carpenter, and they'd look at me like you know I had just broken wind at the dinner table. They're like, "What? <laughs> what? John Carpenter?" And I was like, "Yeah." And, and so I've always loved it. And then when I became a Christian, I remember the biggest struggle that I had. And in fact, after I became a Christian, I didn't go to church for a while. I was had left Capitol Hill, went back to college, and I was working as a, an assistant manager at a video store to put myself through college. And I would schedule myself on Sunday morning so I'd have an excuse to miss church. And, and the reason for that was that I didn't have a problem with Christianity. I was reading my Bible. I was reading it all the way through. My problem was with Christians. Yeah. And that, you know, that that kind of judgmental attitude. Oh, you're listening to that music. Oh, you're watching that. And I always just had the attitude. It's like, wait a minute. I, you know, if it's not tempting me to sin, what's the problem? Mm hmm. You know, and I've like I've you know I watch horror movies, but I've never been a violent person. Um, I understand that some horror movies sometimes have uh, nudity, and usually it's not necessary. And but I spend enough time on sets in Hollywood that I tell people this. I say, look, if you're if you're a dude and 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 you know somebody flashes you know some flesh on the screen for a second, and that causes you to go in some kind of downward spiral, then Okay, don't watch it. But as for me, I I was on enough film sets where I saw people, you know, doing nude scenes and looking around and seeing 20 or 30 people, especially older guys eating donuts and, and you know, and kind of saliva almost dripping from their mouths with some 19, 20 year old girls walking around naked. Every time I see that, it takes me out of it. And I, I always it takes me out of the movie. I'm sitting there thinking, oh, that poor thing. Mm -hmm. You know, why is she having to do that in front of, you know, in front of like 30, 40 people? That's just disgusting. And so it doesn't bother me. It doesn't, you know, tempt me or anything else. And it's the same way with music. I'm, I'm largely I listen to a lot of different kinds of music, but I'm largely a metalhead, as is my son. And it doesn't it doesn't really affect me. I can listen to Motley Crue without wanting to live like Motley Crue. Right. Um, and so, you know, that's what I tell people. And, you know, when people get on me. Which they did. I used to have a blog, and I'm getting ready to launch it in a podcast again, but I shut it down after a while, even though it was getting a lot of hits, because I had so many trolls, and I had almost as many Christian trolls as I had atheist trolls. Mm -hmm. And they were always like, how can you, if I mentioned Game of Thrones, or if I mentioned Walking Dead, or something like that, how can you do da 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 I was like, guys, I said, you know what, and I had conversations with my seminary professors about this when I went off to seminary. It's like, you know... Understanding the historical and cultural background of the Bible makes a big difference. Right. Uh -huh. um, so if you look at somebody like the Apostle Paul, uh, we know that Paul, you know, made his living by being essentially a leather worker. He'd go into the marketplace of a city and he, you know, hawk his goods there in the marketplace in order to make some money. Well, in the ancient marketplace in the Roman Empire, it was a filthy place. I mean, it made Vegas in the 70s look like Disneyland today. I mean, it's just 
the marketplace in the Roman Empire, I mean, especially in places like Ephesus and, and places that had large temples of prostitution, the prostitutes would go try to get you to come to the temple by walking through the marketplace half naked. And that's where Paul's sitting. Right. And Paul Paul didn't seem to have a problem with it. And so I, you know, if Paul doesn't have a problem with it, I'm like, yeah, you know what? If Paul can deal with it, I can deal with it. You know, if you can't deal with it, that's fine. But don't go uh, attack other people because you can't deal with it and they can. Right. Yeah. I mean, that comes down. That's a personal conviction issue. Yeah, absolutely. And I've uh, become acquaintances with a, a Christian author who happens to write horror novels by the name of Mike Duran out in California. Mm-hmm. And we've traded some messages and some phone calls. He wrote a little book because he got attacked over and over again. As he wrote a little book that's worth picking up, it's only about 120 pages. I think I saw the other day that if you have Kindle Unlimited, it's free right now. And it's called Christian Horror. And the subtitle is On the Compatibility of Biblical Worldview and the Horror Genre. And and it's very, very interesting. And one of the points he makes in it is, guys, you know, if you're are you really reading your Bibles? Because if if the Bible was made into an honest, literal miniseries, it would be R-rated. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got, goodness sakes, I, I, you know, I think it was Matt Chandler was the first person I ever heard say this when he was talking about how we try to turn, especially the Old Testament, into a Disney movie and try to treat it as just a bunch of kid stories. He goes, you're, really? He said, mm-hmm. you're going to read that to your kid at night? You're going to be like, and then the angel of death killed every firstborn child in Egypt. Sleep tight, buddy. Sleep tight. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you, I tell these people, have you read the book of Judges? Yeah. I mean, you know what? There's, there's a prostitute who gets assaulted and then chopped up into pieces and like FedExed all over Israel. I mean, give me a break. It's, you know, if you're sitting there going, oh, I don't, you know, I, I just don't watch anything that uh, has violence or gore or blood or sex. I'm like, well, then you're not going to read the Old Testament, I guess. Yeah. Right. Just forget about so- uh, Song of Songs. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man, that got that got me into so much trouble. I remember after I took wisdom literature in seminary and um, I was teaching a class at one of the first churches I worked at in West Texas. And so I was talking about wisdom literature, and I talked about what I thought Song of Solomon was about. So I think it's about, you know, sex between a married couple. And the, the woman walks up, this older woman, God bless her, she walked up to me, and she goes, no, 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 no. Song of Solomon is about Jesus and the church. I looked at her, and I probably should have said this more kindly, but I was young and stupid. I said, I said, ma'am, Jesus would not do that to the church. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. 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 yeah, but you know, we on our little segment that we do at the end, we talk a lot about people taking things out of context. Oh, and yeah. How many times I've been, you know, when I try and talk to people uh, about different things, I say, well, you, you know, you've, you've got literal context, you've got cultural context, and you've got historical context. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, the Bible says what the Bible says. If you don't want to read it that way, then, you know, and you don't need the context. Oh, yes, you do. You need the context. I got into that today. I said, we need to learn how to read the Bible properly. And unfortunately, a lot of people are too lazy to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, well, they just... I try to tell my church exactly what you're saying. It's like you don't, if you get a, a long text or if you get a Facebook message or if you get an email, 
you don't read if let's say you get an email that has 20 lines in it. You don't read the first line, walk away and meditate on it, and then maybe get to the third or fourth line the next day. Right. You read the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's how the Bible was written. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I have somebody tell you, well, so you're trying to make the Bible into riddles, and you're trying to make where you need a you need a college <laughs> degree in order to read it. I'm like. No, no, it doesn't take that much to actually study it, especially nowadays with with the Internet. Mm -hmm. I mean, it you know, if there's a subject I want to look up now, of course, I'm not going to be a, you know, an expert on it, but I can get a pretty decent feel in in Mm -hmm. doing three or four hours of research on a particular topic. To, yeah. to help me understand those type that type of context in it, but yeah, I, I get the run around with that all the time. That I'm I'm just trying to change what the Bible says. I mean, and oh, you, you don't gosh. even have to look deeply. Mm-mm. You don't have to dig deep. You just have to if you're reading scripture and not taking bumper sticking sticker slogans. Right. But if you take it. And you look at the scripture, and you look for horses instead of looking for zebras. Yeah. You know, taking the language as it's presented, mm-hmm. you're coming up with a good idea of what was being said. And then, yes, there are certain idioms that we don't use now, but it's pretty easy to point out, you know, research those and find out what that idiom means. Well, yeah. yeah, and it's, you know, it's, look, I, I here's what I tell, you know, my church and, and some ministers in the area get, get angry with me because of this. But I, I, look, I, you know, Paul said, you know, that there's a reason why the church has been given, you know, teachers and, and, and so forth. And so mm-hmm. I, I stick by my guns that I tell people, it's like, look, I said, there needs to be someone in your church, um, hopefully the lead pastor or teaching pastor that knows Greek, knows Hebrew, knows Aramaic, knows the cultural background, you know, knows all that, knows theology, knows church history, is trained in all of that so that they can help the congregation work through especially some of the tougher things that you have to figure out in the Bible. But you're right, most of it, I tell people, it's like, look, I'm really here to help you figure out like the 20%. The other 80% is really easy for you to figure out on your own if you're just going to read it in context. Right. You know, it, it, you don't need me for that. Um, you don't need me to tell you that Genesis one is all about that God created the heavens and the earth. You don't need me. To, you don't need me, you know, to go through Second Corinthians five twenty one to to figure out that you know Jesus's death on the cross, you know, is is instrumental in your salvation. You don't need me for that. I mean that, but you know, if you want to sit down and talk about the different ways to understand this and that. And so, and I try to approach that with care, like um, it was one of my Old Testament professors and who convinced me that talking about bumper sticker slogans, Dino, is like one of the ones that I see that just drive me crazy, you know, is that, um, you know, if you want to walk on water, you just got to get out of the boat. And I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. You know, when Jesus is walking on water, that's actually an allusion to the uh, book of Job. In the book of Job, it says only God walks on the waves. Mm-hmm. Jesus is making a claim by walking on the water that he is God. Peter's lack of faith was not that he couldn't hold himself up. Peter's lack of faith was he didn't recognize what was going on and just drop to his knees and start worshiping Jesus as God. 
And so, you know, and some people said, well, I just don't believe that. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to argue with you. You know, I'm just telling you what, you know, conservative scholars who actually love the Bible and love the church are saying, and you take it for what it's, what it's worth. But, but I just try really hard to get my churches just don't get into the bumper sticker thing because you're going to alienate more people. The people that you need to reach are looking for something beyond a, a quip. Right. Mm-hmm. They're looking for some depth. And so it drives – I'm glad my wife's on a on a conference call right now because she – it drives her batty. She um, got so sick of it, especially with uh, a lot of uh, women's ministries and women's Bible studies. Mm-hmm. You know, she'd go into these women's Bible studies and it would be like two or three verses and then 20 minutes about stories about the woman's dogs and kids and all this other kind of stuff. And so she started her own women's ministry, teaching women how to study the Bible uh, more deeply. And her tagline for her women's ministry is fluff is for pillows, not for women's ministry. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah. 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 But it's, you know, it's, yeah, I've, it drives me crazy. We have that, you know, it's everywhere, but it's especially here in Appalachia and you just kind of have to deal with it. And I try to be patient, you know, um, with people and just try to show them where I'm coming from. And, and, and if they disagree with me, that's fine. I I tell, I joke with people half jokingly, you know, you you can disagree with me. You can be wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, (laughs) you know, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a fight all the time, but it's, it's, it's that vestige of fundamentalism, you know, from the early 20th century when the church overreacted to, um, the advent of uh, people kind of becoming materialism, materialists and and kind of uh, easily buying Darwinism and, and the Enlightenment kind of we can create heaven on earth. And and instead of engaging that, in you know, intelligently, the church decides to hide from the world. Right. And there's still kind of a, you know, there's still kind of a remnant of that. That's a shame, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So... I mean, and, and even when you're preaching, you know, the last three weeks, I think, yeah. we've been uh, looking in on, on your church, on your sermons, you know, and participating at home, uh, along yeah. with our church, too. We would watch yeah. our church and then watch yours. And even from the pulpit, you're not afraid to wear Friday or 13 shirts. No, no. And I don't have, the, and there may be people, because it's a, for the size town we're in, it's 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 a fairly large church. I mean, I'm in a college town of less than 20,000 people, so it's not a big, you know, but our church is around 600, 650 people. And, and so there may be some people back there whispering, like, what is that boy doing? Uh, but but they're, they tolerate me. So I don't I haven't received any, you know, really nasty comments from my own congregation. I, I haven't looked to see what people have tried to say online, but I haven't received any nasty comments from my own car. I've told them it's like last, last fall, I won the lottery, um, to be able to go visit camp Novi Bosco. Right. And, and spend the day where they shot the original Friday 13th. And Tom Savini was there and, um, Adrian King was there and, you know, and so, um, and then we got to watch the movie on the beach, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, um, where they had their final battle. And so, and, 
I went and did that, and I came back and told my church about it. I was like, last weekend, I'm sorry I wasn't here, but I got to go see when they filmed Friday 13th. And, and some people, some especially some older people afterwards, were just kind of shaking. <laughs> but then I had a lot of uh, people my age, and I'm in my 40s and 30s, like, really? Did you take pictures? So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of blessed that way in that I don't, I don't get too much of that anymore. So. Right. Um, now, let me ask you. Is there a line that you draw with the horror movies that you won't watch? Is there a certain type or a certain category or, you know? Yeah, there are, you know, now I haven't seen these since I was a kid. I remember watching these when I was a teenager. Um, and, and even then I knew they were fake, but it was like the faces of death stuff. It's like I have no desire to watch so-called you know, uh, some kind of reality TV where people are supposedly dying. I have no desire to watch that whatsoever. Um, also the kind of rape revenge movies typically Mm -hmm. just, just churn my stomach. I I have no, like the, I spit upon your grave movies and stuff like that. I just have no desire to watch that stuff at all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and the other line I obviously have though, it's amazing that I have to point this out because for, for six years, I was doing um, a ministry, inner city ministry, reaching out to college students and artists and stuff like that. It was called Revolution. And it was at night. Um, we would have it like seven o'clock at night and I would preach downtown uh, close to the college. And I remember kind of laying this out. Was, how do you kind of, you know, read culture as a Christian and decide what you're going to engage in? And I used to have to. It was amazing to me, I guess, because I grew up in a Christian home that I had to tell people um don't try to tell me that you're watching porn for the, for the acting, you know, uh, <laughs> that's, there's, there's no excuse for that. So, you know, it's, but that, yeah, that's where I draw the line. That's where I just can't, I, I can't stomach the rape revenge stuff. I, I can't stomach that kind of stuff. You know, I, I just don't care for it. Okay. Um, do you have anything, any questions that you have? I think we covered anything that I would have. Well, <laughs> let me ask you then. Um, you know, we're coming up on, well, actually, we're in Holy Week uh, yeah. right now. You know, I know you're live streaming. You know, my yeah. church is live streaming. Matter of fact, I'm supposed to be playing this Sunday. Mm. Um, and you play bass, right? Yeah, I'm a guitarist also, but I am okay. far more proficient in bass. All right. Well, you're in good company. I was a bassist in college, and now my son is a bassist. He plays bass for his worship band when he's able to get there. So there you go. Great. Nice. I'm a percussionist. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, there you go. Now. I can't can't do that, Uh, Michelle. You've got my respect. I can, uh, for whatever reason, any kind of drums from bongos to double bass, I could never figure out. I'm not that coordinated. (laughs) I'm okay with my hands because, you know, bass is kind of a percussive instrument. Yeah. Anyhow, like I always say that, you know, drums are your heartbeat and bass is a pulse type of thing. Yeah. yeah. But if I've got to incorporate my feet, like with a kick drum or a hi-hat, that, that's yeah. when I'm completely gone. So, uh, me too. <laughs> me too. Same thing. And I'm not, a, I'm not, Jackson's turned out to be a pretty good musician, self-taught. I, I was not. I, you know, I, when I was in a band in college. Uh, let's put it this way. We played a lot of Ramon songs because that's really what it within our wheelhouse. You know, three chords in two and a half minutes. <laughs> yep, yep. Now, what do you feel? I mean, 
as far as the streaming, you know, because there were the churches that were live streaming, and then right. there were the churches, there were some churches that are kind of, you know, taking this as a hill to, to, to die on, for <sighs> lack of a better term. Um, would you mind speaking to that? Is, is that something you feel comfortable doing? Here's the thing that I have learned, and this is what I try to tell, uh, whether it's when I was adjunct teaching uh, in Bible, uh, a, you know, undergraduates in a Christian school, or whether it was when I was training kind of lay people in what uh, a thing we used to have called free seminary. Um, okay, I, you know, I've been to seminary before I went to law school, I went to seminary. And so I know church history and theology and apologetics and that kind of stuff. I don't. I, you have to be humble enough to admit what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not a healthcare worker. Right. Um, but I have a lot of healthcare workers that come to our church. And so we were approached several weeks ago by a radio station that said, hey, would you like to stream your service on a radio station with a drive-in service? And I said, well... Let me check. And so the first thing I did was we have four different, four or five different doctors in our congregation. We have several nurse pracs and so forth. So I put a group message and said, what do you guys think? And immediately a guy who works in the ER messaged me back and said, please don't do it. And I said, okay, can you tell me why? He said, yes. He said, a church in this area last weekend had a drive-in service. Somebody got sick during the drive-in service. Well, all these cars, even six feet apart, which all of them weren't, first of all, as soon as this person fainted and somebody started yelling for help, everyone got out of their cars to try to help. Right. Second, when the ambulance got there, they said it was like trying to do go through a maze to get to the car with the sick person. And then all these people were crowding the paramedics trying to, quote, unquote, help. And so, you know, one, I think packing people in and just saying, well, the Lord will protect us. Well, look at the several churches that have spread COVID-19 like crazy here and in South Korea by doing that. That's one. Two, look at even drive-in services and look what's happened there. It's like, I don't want, you know, I have, our the church I pastor is kind of unique because we have a pretty good um percentage of like each generation you know we've got the greatest generation we've got the boomers we've got gen x we've got millennials and we have like a hundred some kids well man you know those in the greatest generation and a number of them in the boomer generation who i know have diabetes or copd or 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 whatever to say we're just gonna go ahead and trust god and get together you're almost guilt tripping people who with underlying illnesses to do it and yeah, that, exactly. that, i think that's wrong mm-hmm. exactly i think that's wrong i just think that's wrong and and second the other thing is the drive-in services thing. You're just creating a problem for paramedics and healthcare workers, and this is coming from healthcare workers. And I'm not a healthcare worker, and so just stream it. And you know, even those because there there are a handful of older people in my church, including the woman who cuts my hair, and she's like, I just don't do the internet. And I said, well, Okay, well, do you have a DVD player? Yeah. Okay, we'll just burn DVDs and mail it to you. And she's like, Oh, okay, fine. Right. And, you know, and but everyone else, and it was Michelle. I think I heard you say this. I think I heard it was either you or Dino say this first. It's like you were talking about 
how you know your church's live stream was reaching a lot more people than you ever reach on Sunday morning mm-hmm. in the building. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're doing the same thing. I mean, I start after you said that because I wasn't even thinking about it. And part of that, maybe this is an excuse. Part of that is just because I'm kind of burned out on, on working on my doctoral programs and trying to, you know, juggle all this stuff. But at the same time, you know, it was like, you know what? I Why didn't I ask our people to share the stream? Because, you know, how many people do they know that are friends on Facebook or whatever that aren't Christians or who have never heard the gospel or, or whatever? And so I started asking people to do that. And, and even our our church's closed group. I was like, please share the live stream with your friends and so forth. And lo and behold, I mean, we had, you know, I think the first weekend we had like 300 people watching. And then the next weekend it was like 700. And this last weekend, last time I checked, it was, you know, climbing over 2000. Yeah. Yeah. I think our, uh, the last weekend we, uh, our church had 3000 yeah. where we've got like a yeah. normal congregation of about 750 between the two services. Mm-hmm. Well, if, and see, that's to me, that's that's a silver lining on this. I wouldn't w- wish this pandemic on anyone, but you know what? That's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, one of the things I've got a friend who actually lives over in the UK, and um, she is she is watching her church uh, services every week, and then she is also um, she asked all of her friends over here in America to give their churches. Mm-hmm. And uh, their church names and, and links, because she is picking a different church every week to watch yeah. over here. So I'm, I'm still in. I have not gotten to hers yet, but that's because it's yeah. six o'clock in the morning our time, and I'm just <laughs> not waking up that early. And I haven't had the opportunity to go on later in the day, but I'm sure they're saved, so I can do that. But I mean, that is an interesting opportunity that this is giving us too, is because churches, you know overseas are very different than our churches here yeah at le- like at least from what i'm Flavor understanding wise. right from so and i'd like to see how they run their churches and you know well, i know hers is very different because i think it's more of a universalist type okay. church but you know right. I'd be, you know right. i'd like to see what her church is like there right and, but this is one of the things that i think i mentioned it one or two episodes before this whole thing was, you know, dealing with with people and and you know shouting them down because of their <sighs> sin and having them walk away, not wanting to hear you, right? You know, and how people, oh, you know, you want to shout, and it's like, don't you realize that maybe God is bringing your mission field closer to you. Rather yeah. than you having to go overseas mm-hmm. for mission or doing, maybe this is God's way. I'm not saying the only way. I'm not saying, but one of the ways where God is providing this virtual mm-hmm. mission field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I think that may be right. I, you know, I've, I've started doing a thing on Facebook Live. Because we've tried to do, our church has tried to do something online every day just to, because, you know, some of our people are just bored and, and we also, it's a great way to connect and so <clears> forth. And so I, I resurrected something I used to do called Ask Pastor Matt. And I just had con- the people from the congregation send me questions and, and I'd go on Facebook Live and try to answer them. One of them asked, that, you know, is COVID-19, was it prophesied in the Bible? I said, well, I don't think so. And, you know, I, I don't think that when it's talking about pestilence or something like that, that this compares in any way, shape or form to the Black Plague. 
Right. I mean, you know, this has got a, you know, a 90 plus percent survival rate, whereas the Black Plague had a 20 percent, you know, survival mm -hmm. rate. Uh, we've been through this before. Um, but I, I kind of use that to address and say, guys, remember, I mean, I was just outside of New York City when 9-11 happened. And I remember the little church I was preaching at while I was in law school was packed that Sunday. Mm -hmm. The next week, it wasn't. Yeah. It was like that first week was a shock, and then it was over. And I said, you know, the thing is, regardless of what your theology is, um, if you read Hebrew, if you read through the Old Testament in Hebrew, God is always the subject of active verbs. Mm -hmm. He's always doing. He's never just sitting around looking. He's always involved in his creation. And so, you know, whether he allowed this or whether he caused this, and I said, you need to be careful the way you discuss that. And I got, you know, one of the things I told people was one of the things that disgusted me after 9-11 was you had certain ministers on TV going, well, this is God's judgment because of X, or this was God's judgment because of Y. And I'm like, well, you're picking your sins there, buddy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I can name off about 20 that America at large is pretty guilty of. What about, you know, not helping our neighbor or what about pornography? What about, the, mm -hmm. you know, that we have more you know, slaves today in the sex slave industry than we've ever had in history, we think. Right. I mean, let's, let's, you know, but so you're picking your sins. I said, but you just need to be, well, you need to be pastorally sensitive on how you talk about this. You know, this isn't 9-11 where it's one horrible tragedy occurs and then a week or two later, a lot of people are just kind of going back to normal other than, you know, now they get to complain about the TSA. You know, this is going to this is going on and may go on for another month. And I said, so you've got people stuck at home. Uh, they are somewhat frightened and thinking about their mortality. And so you've got a lot of people who would never walk into a church building who are pulling up YouTube and Facebook Live and checking out churches. And I've gotten to the point now when I try to remind myself when I end my sermon, uh, at the beginning of the end, I say, here's my email address. Mm -hmm. If, right. you know, you don't go to church here, you have questions or you want, you know, just to talk to someone about this, email me. I'll, I'll talk to you. And, you know, so that's that's not that could not have happened a month ago. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, a month ago, there were churches who did stream services, but it mm -hmm. wasn't as publicized or talked about right. as much as it is as much as it is now. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah, exactly. so, the, so those people who are afraid, they a month ago, they may uh, they weren't afraid. So that was one factor, yeah. but they may not have realized that churches stream, you know, and yeah. it, it even goes to a lot of your extroverts might not, I'm sorry, your introverts might not have realized that right. they could do church that way. Right. Oh yeah. But now yeah. they're realizing, Hey, wait a minute. I can, I can do church from my living room and, and still be fed. Um, Cause I think a lot of the, you know, uh, how do I go about this without, trying to be um i because i'm thankful for it that places like tbn and yeah. those stations well, yeah. with, with it with those preachers are not the go-to anymore like, does, does that make sense uh, 
Right. Amen, amen, and amen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're not. Uh, when you're thinking of, you know, teleministry or whatever, right. that is not. I mean, know, I think they had been dying off before any of this, right. like the 700 Club and everything. I think that had well, been. Yeah. It's still out there, and there are still people who watch it, but. I honestly, in a lot of the discussions that I have with people, I don't hear people talking about it. And that that's kind of where I'm coming up with that. I think that was dying off. So some of your new people, newer people to Christianity or, or just kind of hearing about it or finding a reason that they might want to hear more right. instead of hearing about those places, they're hearing about actual churches, right. yeah. like your feet on the ground, ground churches, churches that they can right. be involved with in from their living room right. and that helps a lot <laughs> right no, a- absolutely absolutely those you know because uh, i there are you know a handful i tell people with preachers that are still on the radio and tv that i say you know i may i may have my disagreements with them here and there but they're still i still think they're solid whether it's a charles stanley or whether right. it's a tony evans or somebody like mm-hmm. that I said, but yeah, that, I, I won't name who it was, but I remember, and, and I, Michelle, I think you're right, because it seems to be the people who still bring, like, the TBN kind of stuff up to me, they tend to be boomers or older. Yes. It, it doesn't, people my age and the Gen X stuff, I never hear it. I, I just don't hear it. And my wife is younger than me, you know, she's kind of an elder millennial. Um, she, you know, she doesn't hear it um, among, you know, people she's talking to. I occasionally get people in their 60s and 70s that bring it up. And I remember I was preaching once and I got down and somebody came up to me and said, well, such and such on TV said there's nowhere in the Bible where it says the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin. I went, wait, wait a minute, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to see that in the Bible? <laughs> um, but and this guy's got this guy's got millions of people, largely older, who watch him. But, ugh. yeah, I think that is we're seeing you know, thankfully, more and more, this is another bright side of Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z, so forth. They're not watching cable TV anymore anyway. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, they're going to YouTube. They're going to, you know, so they're even watching that stuff there. And so that's that's a blessing. So hopefully a lot of that stuff will will disappear. And and um, that includes somebody who rhymes with uh, boasting. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hear you. And that's the thing. You know, before this, a lot of the churches that were streaming or going on were kind of your brand name churches. Mm -hmm. You know, the ones that had a product to sell. Or the Hucksters. I'll I'll say it, you know, and you have your feet on the ground churches as I... Your 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 neighborhood churches who are having a wider reach now that are counteracting things like a particular pastor who is blowing the coronavirus away, you know? Oh, gosh, yeah. Did you get to see that one? I I did see the um, – somebody sent it to me. I didn't see it because I never watch um, TBN because I just don't want to – you know, Paul says, in your anger, do not sin. So, right. Um, but <laughs> – I I did see was it Jim Baker was selling some kind of a snake oil elixir that mm-hmm. you could drink and would protect you from the coronavirus. Uh, oh. I'm sitting there thinking. Oh, that would, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, that's not actually who we were going wonder, with too, though. There was wonder if uh, Billy Burke got on that one too. 
Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, there's another one that it's going to, the, the heat, it, he wants there to be triple digit heat, so it go, so it kills the coronavirus. So he, he, he prayed multiple times in multiple ways within one minute uh, to triple digit heat. And then blew, blew and, the and then he Yeah, he literally blew into the podium so he could blow the coronavirus Away. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, you know, last time we have two um, young men who um, came over here from Uganda, and our church put them through Bible college, and now they're in graduate school, and they're, they're going to go back to Uganda and start churches. And I've been talking to them a lot, messaging them, and they're messaging friends back in Africa, where it often does get triple digits. And guess what they're seeing there? Coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I yeah. shouldn't be laughing at that, but I'm laughing at the the, the irony. Yeah. Of it. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's what I what I love now is that it is it makes it hard, but it's easier now. Where I see it on Twitter or I see it on Facebook, you know, someone will post that on, you know, mocking the Christians. Right. But I've developed. A relationship with people through the podcast, through Twitter, through Facebook, in the horror community, you know, where I can jump in and go, hey guys, he doesn't speak for me or the God I serve, and I'm really sorry about that. And they go, hey man, thanks. You know, know, we're, we're in a position now, and through the streaming churches, where... We have a voice and we have a relationship with non-church goers where we have developed that trust to talk into their heart and go hey, and deflect that crap, you know? Right, right. So. Yeah, it's it's a shame. I, you know, I kind of, you know, when we started, when Jackson and I started the podcast, the Father and Son Watch Horror Movies, we, we honestly didn't think we would have that many people tune in and then it kind of it blew up bigger than we ever thought it would i mean Mm -hmm. we're never going to be like shockwaves or any of those kind of corporate podcasts but you know we you know last time megan check said when after about a week of quarantine she said you guys have jumped from like 20 some thousand listeners to close to 30 thousand listeners per week wow and i'm like really and and I've had people in the horror community basically kind of hint around and tell me it's like you know i really like your podcast but you know, if you really want it to take off even more, you should change your Twitter handle. You shouldn't be Pastor Matt. You know, you shouldn't talk about this kind of stuff because a lot of people just aren't going to check it out because there's a pastor co-hosting it and that kind of stuff. It's like, well, you know what? I understand where you're coming from. But one of the kind of goals that I have now, it wasn't when I started it because I didn't think this would happen, but is, you know, one of the things I, I hope accomplishes with, with the podcast is that people listening can walk away and going, oh, not all Christians and not even all Christian ministers are total judgmental, you know, jackholes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And so I hope that happens. I don't know if it will, but, uh, you know, I, I hope that happens. And so we shall we shall see. But, you know, I, you know, Going back real quick, just to the, if I could, to the, you know, the horror and and faith thing real quick. One of the things I'm remembering that, you know, Mike Duran brought up in his book, um, the Christian horror book, uh, 
Yeah, and I need to is, get that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a quick read too. And you know, it's it's like 125 pages with an appendix. Okay. And but you know, he talks about how he said Christianity actually is maybe a bigger influence on the horror genre than anything else. Yeah. Um, he says, you know, if you go back and read like Bram Stoker's original novel for Dracula, mm -hmm. Van Helsing is constantly praying to God for help. Um, what is it that scares, you know, vampires? A the crucifix. crucifix. Yeah. What is it that, you know, there's a I'd forgotten about this. Till I read it because I haven't read Dracula in many, many years. It was one of the first horror novels I read when I was a kid, but I just haven't read it in a long time. Um, near the end of the book. Mina actually asked Jonathan not to kill Dracula until they see if they can save his soul. Oh, wow. You know, there, there's stuff like that in there. And then, I, you know, I've, I've told people this. Um, I've told people this at church um, uh, when we talked about uh, back when I was doing another kind of form of Ask Pastor Matt, somebody asked if I believed in ghosts. I said, no, I don't believe in ghosts. And I said, well, how do you explain poltergeist, all that stuff? I said, well, I do believe in demons. Exactly, yeah. And, and so they asked me about that and I explained where I was coming from. And, and, and but then, you know, I bring up, I said, you know, one of the movies that I love is in my top five horror movies of all, all time is The Exorcist. Mm -hmm. And what a lot of people don't realize is that William Peter Blatty, who wrote both the novel and the screenplay and then wrote and directed Exorcist 3, which I think is a great movie. Yeah, it is. Um, he he was, you know, he called himself a Christian. Mm -hmm. Um he was asked once, I wish I could find the quote again, but I remember reading it years ago. They asked him why he wrote The Exorcist, because before that, he'd been a comedy writer for Blake Edwards. He'd helped write, you know, some of the Pink Panther movies. Right. And they asked him, why did you write The Exorcist? And he said, I wanted to write a sermon you couldn't fall asleep during. Wow. Yeah, I know on his commentary for the DVD, he, he mentions his faith quite a bit. Yeah, and so it's just, I... I try to tell people it's like you can't you can't watch enough horror movies and not especially if you're a Christian and see where the Christian worldview has so influenced horror filmmakers, whether they realize it or not, whether it's an 80 slashers where sin equals death or whether it's, you know, uh, oh, Satan's for real and they're demons and, you know, and, and these things can actually hurt you and, and you've got to turn it. You know, you know, you look back at the Hammer horror films, you know, and mm -hmm. they interviewed Christopher Lee why it was that he thought hammer horror films weren't protest as much. Mm -hmm. And he said, because they have a Christian worldview, it's good versus evil and good always wins. And you always have to turn to God to defeat the evil. Hmm. Yeah. So I, yeah, you know, that's my kind of my plug for that. So I just, I, like I said, I mean, like I, I understand there's stuff out there like, look, and there's some movies I have no desire to watch again. I mean, it was like, um, Jackson and I were playing horror trivia and he asked me a, um, trivia question and I didn't get it. It was the one I got wrong. It was about audition. Oh, and I said, okay. <laughs> look, I saw that 20 some years ago and I never want to see that movie again. So, um, you know, it's, yeah, it's definitely all... disturbing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, I really do think that I don't think there's anything wrong. Not only do I not think there's anything wrong with being a Christian and a horror fan, but I think that if you go into it, looking through the lens of, of a Christian worldview, you're going to see that. I mean, think about how many horror movies have like a dystopian future to them, right. um, whether it's horror adjacent movies like The Road or, or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, those movies basically 
state that the world is a messed up place and it's a messed up place because people are broken. Right. And so that it makes you ask the question, why are they broken? Mm-hmm. And even something like, like Twilight Zone, you know, Rod mm-hmm. Serling, you know, I mean, every, every episode was, was a sermon. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, you, like an episode like the um, Obsolete Man or... Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a one with the the bunker downstairs. I forgot what name that was. But it was all about, you know, society and, you know, Absolute Man was actually about faith and, and belief. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's all over the horror genre if, if you'll stop and actually, you know, look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can, you can read so many of uh, of these horror movies through that kind of of lens, whether it's um, even something like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't bring this up when Jackson and I talked about it, but it came to later. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the Sawyer family mm-hmm. as a true representation of what people are without God, without a belief in God, and therefore um, no such thing as an objective moral standard, well, then why not eat people? Huh. Yeah. You're just an animal. Mm-hmm. We eat animals. What's the difference? Right. Huh. Yeah. And so, I, yeah, I think it's, I, I just think it's all over the place there. And, and so it's, you know, um, whether it's werewolves and, you know, there's always a thing in there about kind of the evil within and where does it come from and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I, I think it's everywhere. I really do. It's not that I, you know, tell people, you know, go out and, 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 and watch this stuff. I'm just saying that if you do like it and it's not tempting you to do anything. And I've had, I had one person, I had one pastor tell me, I just can't watch it because the violence, it just, it, it does something to me. And I was like, well, then you shouldn't watch it. And yeah. I said, I, mm-hmm. I get it. You know, that's, that's fine. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, do me that way, but you know, okay. And, but if it's, if you already like it, you know, like I said, with the exception of like, you know, pornography or snuff films or something ridiculous and disgusting right. like that, you know, if, if it doesn't tempt you to sin and, and you know, you can watch it through and, and kind of filter it through a Christian worldview, I just don't see a problem. Yeah. Yeah, see, I think, unfortunately, I think what happens is it ties back to something that you had said earlier um, about how I think it was the beginning of the uh, 20th century when it, when people started um, trying to completely remove Christianity from the world. I forget exactly yeah. how you put it. But well, they withdrew. Yeah, it was the yeah, fundamentalist would, movement. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think that this that it, you know people not wanting to watch horror movies is kind of a repercussion of that. Um, yeah. D- distant, yeah. removed, but they consider it. It's part of the world. It's scary, and God isn't the God of fear. So I I, I can't even consider watching it. Right. So, so yeah. they, they're afraid of the slippery slope. Right. Yeah. So they, they just avoid it altogether. And, and maybe for, you know, if they are that nervous about it, maybe it isn't the right thing for them to watch, but, yeah. to, but to turn around and say that it's not good for anybody to watch. Right. When you, that's put, not right either. When you put your personal conviction, when you make your personal, you know, convictions, others condemnations. Mm-hmm. 
that's where we seem to have a little bit of a problem. Well, people don't realize, I mean, it's, um, this is why I really encourage people to study church history, especially modern church history. You know, when the fundamentalist thing kind of broke in the early 20th century, and then you had kind of the advent of, oh, we're going to, we're going to make all these Christian colleges where none of this is allowed. And, and you have places like Bob Jones University and stuff like that pop up. And then we're going to have our own Christian publishers. And and eventually we're going to have our own Christian magazines and our own Christian books and our own and then eventually our own Christian movies and so forth. And that's what we're going to do. Um, then in the late 1940s, after World War II, you had guys like Carl F.H. Henry, who was the original editor of Christianity Today. And then you had guys come behind him like Billy Graham and they coined the term evangelical. And the difference between a fundamentalist and an evangelical, and I consider myself an evangelical, is an evangelical believes a lot of the same things about the Bible and theology as the fundamentalist does, but they're willing to engage the culture at large, right. whether it be science or whether it be the arts. And they're mm -hmm. willing to kind of criticize it through that Christian worldview. And But we've just become so paranoid. I, I forgot. This was something Mike Duran's got in his book. He said that, you know, now I'm sure you guys have seen it. There are movie review sites out there run by Christians who kind of run down how much profanity or how many, you know, kind of lewd references or whatever is in a movie. And so he gave one example, Mike does. He said, for one example, for example, one media watchdog group noted that the popular film, The Blind Side from 2009, despite a positive portrayal of evangelicals and a redemptive message contained 10 sexual references Three scatological terms, which I guess they talk about going to the bathroom, yeah. eight anatomical terms, and seven mild obscenities, offenses that eventually resulted in Lifeway, the largest Christian bookstore chain in the world, removing the movie from its shelves. Yeah. The blind side. Yeah. Huh. To yeah. me, that's ridiculous. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's just ridiculous. And so... Uh, you know, what would C.S. Lewis, you know, or, or J.R.R. Tolkien say today about, quote unquote, Christian art? Right. And I think mm -hmm. they puke. <laughs> yeah. It's just. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, once upon a time, folks, if you read church history or cultural history, Christians were on the leading edge of the arts. Yeah. The, mm -hmm. the, the Renaissance. They, they, yeah. were, they were on the leading. They were on the leading edge of medicine. It's absolutely. Yeah, and... I tell people it. Oh, I, I I get into this with my atheist friends all the time. It was like you know, do I had one atheist friend who, who made a nasty comment on Facebook, and I never argue with people on 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 Facebook, probably because I just don't have the time or patience. But I just I did send him a message because we've been friends for a long time, and I was like, hey, didn't you just recently have surgery? And he said, yeah. Did you have anesthesia? He said, yeah. I said, you realize you can thank Christianity for that, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. And he said, no, we don't. It's, it's science. I said, well, the scientist who came up with an, the idea of anesthesia was a Christian who was reading his Bible one day. And when he saw that God put Adam to sleep before he removed his rib, he thought, well, if that's how God does surgery, I've got to figure out a way to put my patients to sleep. <laughs> and he began experimenting on himself, and he came up with anesthesia. I said, so just – you so." I'm wow. not going to ask you, but I'm just going to go ahead and say, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's great. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, 
this man, um... I could probably sit and talk to you all day, so yeah. we are going to have to find... <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to find some place to jump in. Um, oh, can you let everyone know where they can find you? Yeah, um, fatherandsonwatchhorror.com, and the podcast is anywhere you find podcasts, Spotify, um, Google Play, you know, iTunes, wherever. Um, usually we drop an episode about uh, once a week. Uh, myself, Jackson, we try to have guests on whenever we can. We tried to have you guys on. We were experimenting with software that did not go well. Uh, we went back to Skype, which my lovely wife slash producer editor is always telling me, you know, I shouldn't use, but I'm like, <laughs> I'm not trusting anything else at this point. Um, so we just had Andre the Blind on, who a lot of people know on Twitter. Uh, we're having this weekend Haddonfield Hatchet from LOTC will be on. Um, so it's it's just a lot of fun. And so if you're a horror movie fan, um, as Gilman Joel likes to say, um, he sent me a very nice message, said that um, it's the only horror movie podcast that he's found so far that he can listen to with his kids um, because we don't we don't we don't cuss or anything on there. And so um, I can't I can't vouch for when we have like Dr. Shock or anybody else on, but we don't cuss on it. And so um, but it's not explicit, but we do talk about horror movies pretty in depth and everyone who loves horror movies is welcome to give it a listen. Great. Yeah, we try our best. To remain clean, we we usually fall in the PG-13 pocket. Yeah. <laughs> we have, we Sometimes have, uh, I get a little angry and salty, but uh, what are you gonna I do? remember, I remember. I think it was two or three podcasts ago where yeah, you got a little, you got a little riled up. Yeah, I understand that <laughs> I mean, that that happens. That happens. Uh, that but, usually only that usually only happens to me when people are driving slow in the left lane. <laughs> <laughs> but and you know that. I always share you on our Facebook group and on Twitter, and so. Yes, yes, you find do. You. Appreciate it. <laughs> and we always, uh, we kind of always try to remember when we end our shows to kind of give shout outs to our favorite podcasts. Yep. And so either Jackson and I always give a shout out to you guys as well. Yep. All right. Well, Pitts and Matt, have a happy Easter and stay healthy, and, and my best to your wife and Jackson. Thank you. Best of you guys to stay safe and and uh, we'll get through this and, and and hopefully Michelle, you can take your kids out to the library and parks and everything else pretty soon. Well, we'll see. On that, we've been lucky. We haven't been able to go to the library, but we've gotten library books. <laughs> there you go. There my, you mom, go. my mom works for the library, and even though they're not uh, open, she still goes into work to do her stuff, and she can still rent books for us. <laughs> That you got connections. You yep, have connections. We are connected. <laughs> <laughs> the black market library. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <Yeah. Now. laughs> okay. Great. Everybody, thank you for listening. You know what we say. Be decent to each other. Peace.